We've called the series The Church in a City, uh, and uh, Leon Morris, a theologian, talks about the city of Corinth, and Paul is actually writing uh, this episode uh, in response to a letter they had written to him, and he had planted this church in Corinth, and it's been four years uh, when he's writing this letter, it's been four years, and there's some crisis, there's some questions, there's some false teachers, all kinds of stuff happening in the church in Corinth, and so they're writing to him, and he's writing uh, this episode back in response to some of the questions. So that's why we see this episode where there are issues that he's addressing in every chapter. And Leon Morris, in, her, in a theologian, he talks about the city of Corinth itself. He says the city of Corinth was intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. Right, And this can be talked about any modern city today. De Delhi uh, is intellectually alert. It is materially prosperous and morally corrupt. Right? In some way, the city of Corinth was beginning to influence the church. The church was looking, talking, and behaving just like the city. Whatever problems ha and the crisis was happening, in the, the city was kind of reflected in the church itself. And so Paul is writing this. And, uh, and uh, so the question for us today is, how can we be a church in the city? How can we be gospel witness in this city uh, and be faithful to God and His Word? So we're gonna, we've been looking at this. And today, today we're going to talk about destructive desires right we're going to talk about uh, destructive desires now i've been uh, uh, i've been watching the godfather for a few times but now again i've been watching this a little bit every day a little bit in the night uh, and i'm sounding like the godfather if you're wondering it's uh, the, my, my throat is a little sore uh, but in uh, <laughs> in one of the in one of the uh, scenes where uh, uh, he is going to go to bed in his uh, home, Michael Corleone, and he is going to go to bed and suddenly he looks out of the window uh, and he realizes there's a plot to assassinate him and his family. Right? Immediately he takes cover with his family uh, and there's bullets flying all over. His family escapes. But the entire Godfather Part 2 is about who this person gave them away, who betrayed them. Right? So that's the Part 2. Uh, but eventually when you see, and I'm sure you've probably seen this movie, this is like 1974 or something, right? So uh, eventually they, they see that the person who betrayed him was from their own family, from within their own home, right? Oftentimes we think uh, the things that are going to destroy us and things that threaten us is out there, right? Think, things uh, uh, that is threatening to dismantle, everything is out there, right? And we think uh, maybe it's it's our family that's working against us, it's... It's our colleagues, it's the city, it's the corruption, it's all these things. And all of that have a part to play in some of these things. But, but in scripture we see that the greatest threat to you and your life, the greatest threat uh, to, that is threatening to destroy you, your marriage, your peace, your life with God, is from within, not from outside. It's from within, right? So this morning we want to think about what are these desires that can turn destructive? that can turn destructive. So firstly, in this, uh, in this passage, I want to place before you uh, an incredible warning. Paul gives an incredible warning to us. And this is important. Right? Look at verse 1. Look at the warning. Verse 1, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He is talking about the, the wilderness when the Israelites came out of, the e came out of Egypt. And verse 2, he says, All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ. 
So, so immediately, I want us to understand, he, he is comparing some of the experiences that the Old Testament people went through, especially in the wilderness, to some of the experiences we go through in the church. And he's making a connection. He's saying there is a continuity here. Uh, and he's comparing uh, the Old Testament uh, uh, people when they went through the cloud, when they went through the sea, he's comparing that to the church experience of baptism. And he's talking about in verse 3, they ate a spiritual food, that is the manna. They had the uh, water from the rock. Uh, he's comparing that to the Lord's Supper, where we have the bread and the cup. So he's saying there is a sense of shared experience for both the Old Testament, New Testament people. And he says how just like the Lord's Supper and the baptism point to Christ, the rock was Christ in the Old Testament. right? So in some sense, Christ is the one who ultimately nourishes. Christ is the one who sustains all of us, both in the Old and the New Testament. But he's saying, hey, just like you see what's happened back then, we have shared experiences, we have shared practices. What happened in the Old Testament, it is an example. You need to look at the people, it's an example for us. And he's saying, this is a warning for us. It's an example and it's a warning. Right? In verse 5, he says, nevertheless, he, he describes this and he says, nevertheless, with most of them, right, the people who came out of Egypt, most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, I want you to understand this. I don't want you to skip over this. Exodus 12 says there were 600,000 men who came out of Egypt. And, and the way they estimate that is 600,000 men, meaning they were, men were ready for war. So that's 20 years and above. So 600,000 men alone who were uh, 20 years and above who came out of Egypt. The rough estimate is about 2.5 million people with women and children, uh, only two entered the promised land out of that group. Are you tracking me? So Paul is saying, don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. Only Joshua and Caleb. Right? Verse 6, it says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. We might not desire evil as they did in here. He says in verse 12, he says, Therefore let anyone, he's talking to the church, he's talking to us, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. Right? So what is Paul saying here? He's saying the Israelites went, went under the cloud, they went through the sea, they ate the manna, they drank the water, and yet they perished. And yet they perished. You know why? Because though they were set free as slaves from Egypt, they were not really, they never really, or they, they continued. Though they were set free from, as slaves from Egypt, they continued to be slaves to their own evil desires. And that's a warning for us. They enjoyed the benefits of following Yahweh, but they never really belonged to Yahweh. Because their hearts were after something else. So the warning for us today is, today, my friends, and today, you, you can, it is possible that one can belong to a church, but not belong to Christ. It is important. Let's not take this lightly. Uh, let's not assume that coming to church and attending church and even having membership or even having baptism and even taking communion, it, it is not something that automatically does something to us. No, they overestimated some of these things. Let's not overestimate some of these things. 
All these things God has given us to, to help us overcome and defeat sin in our lives. So this morning I want us to understand this, right? Don't confuse the grace of God with license to sin. It is not. The grace of God saves us and it sanctifies us. The grace of God frees us and it transforms us. Uh, grace is not permission to continue in sin. My friend, grace is the power to kill your sin. So let's not confuse this. Let's not, let's not misunderstand. So Paul is warning us here, right? This is an example for us to learn. Uh, grace is not you do your best and God will do the rest. That's not grace. Grace is relying completely and walking in obedience based on what God has done for us in Christ. That's what grace is. Grace is not God somehow lowering his standard so that he can tolerate sin. No, my friend, no, no. Grace is, uh, grace is Christ fulfilling God's holy standards so that he can forgive us and accept us unconditionally. And that's why in this, he, he concludes this warning in verse 14. Verse 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. It's important. And idolatry is not just some physical thing. Oftentimes, it's physical. The physical uh, things that we place our hopes and our dreams and, uh, on. And it is not just physical. Uh, it, it is not just something that is bad. It could be bad things. It could be good things. It could be some habit. It could be uh, you're addicted to something. It could be uh, some of these uh, 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 wicked and evil. It, it can also be good things like family, your career, money. And God constantly warns us with these, with these desires. You cannot serve these two things. You will hate the one and serve the other. You will love the one and hate the other. So there is an incredible warning for us. So the question is, how do we... How do we know these desires? What are these desires? How, how do we know these desires that can, that can destroy, that have the power to destroy us? So after the incredible warning, we, we, I want to place before you, how do we identify these idols? The idols in our hearts. Identifying idols. right? Now, how do we think about idols? Idolatry is a desire that is turning into a demand. Okay, it's a desire that's turning into a demand. Desires are not wrong. Right? Desire for love, desire for order, desire for comfort, desire for success, desire for all these things are not wrong. These are not wrong desires. Oh, but when it becomes a demand, when it becomes ultimate, right? it is slowly taking the form of an idol. It begins to control us. It begins to control how we treat people. It begins to control how we react. It begins to control our, our, our expressions in life. I want you to think about this. What are those things in your life that you feel like you've got to have? You've got to have. If you don't have this, you don't have any purpose or significance in this world. What are those things? What, what are those things that you feel like, man, it, it, if I lose this, or even the thought of losing something, what are those things? It feels like death itself. Oh, if I need to give this up, if I need to lose this, even the th 
thought of losing it feels like death it feels like your life is going to crumble what are those things because my friend it's it's these desires are slowly turning into demand you've got to have it you've got to have it for your happiness we just sang god's goodness is following us is running after us but these are things in our lives which we feel like without this there is no meaning without this i am not happy it, it turns us against people we love Th- these idols become so central it becomes to control us that that we don't even mind making decisions compromising even engaging in sin even treating unlovingly with those in our lives it doesn't this has become so important for us it's become so important that we don't mind even disregarding what god has to say and that's why these idols have the power to destroy us are you, are you tracking me well a few years back the australian team the australian cricket team uh, got into a ball tampering scandal right they uh, uh right from the uh, the captain to the vice captain steve smith and was the other guy david warner good who's that ah good you're listening <laughs> ah steve smith and david warner right a captain and vice captain see usually it's somebody else who's kind of doing these things right but it's captain and vice captain and they would have sandpaper in their pocket and they would kind of rub the thing and they would make the ball they would tamper the ball so the ball can spin and move and swing and all that stuff and it was exposed and they got caught and they were fined and uh, all that stuff but then uh, as they were trying to figure out why what made them you're supposed to be leading your team you're supposed to be uh, a role model for your what made these leaders become something like that and they and they figured out how the 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 australian cricket board right and they had given ultimatum to the entire team and they said this this season in our cricket we want to win at all cost and it was pushed down from the top and and the moment you want to win and it becomes it becomes a desire it's not just a desire it's a good desire but it's a desire but it becomes a demand it is it is becoming ultimate my it is taking the form of an idol and you don't care you will do anything to get it it are you, are you following me I want you to think about your own life, right? I want you to think about what are those things in your life that is becoming that is taking the place oh that is taking the place of God. You may you may believe in God, you may worship God, you may praise God with your mind, but in your heart functionally something else is ruling. Something else is ruling. It it could be it, it could be approval. Approval of people. you you want people to like you so you will do anything so that people will like you it could be love you want people to love you and maybe there is a relationship and god talks to us about certain relationships god talks to us about certain friendships god talks to us about certain things but uh, no because if i if i say no to this if i if i close the door on this then my life has no meaning i cannot live without this it's taking the place of an idol control control is good comfort is good right i remember when i was uh 
when we were planning this church, it's funny, it's uh, today, the thing is, one of the, we used to meet in OU, we used to meet in a hotel basement, and uh, I, I still remember distinctly the smell of omelets, <laughs> because they used to do the breakfast in the place, and we would be waiting outside to get in, uh, and they will, I think they close at 10 or something, and when they close, right, remember, right? And then they close, we'll all have to come and set up the speaker and all that, but then they'll be making the omelette. Because one guy in the hotel decides to come exactly at 10, right? And they'll be making, and the whole place is smelling with the omelette. And so anyway, so uh, we, were, we were there for a season, and I remember when, uh, when we planted, when we started the service, there was one guy who was moving to another city. I don't want to tell who it is, but anyway, he was moving to another city, and uh, we wanted to, we said, we'll pray for him. So he came on stage and I, we were, I was praying for him and I started crying. <laughs> I was crying uncontrollably, right? Everybody thought, man, pastor must be, really must be loving. <laughs> he was a loving brother here. <laughs> he must be really, right? He must be, maybe they are a little tight. They are really close. Yeah, he was closer, close to us. But I was actually scared. At that moment, I was scared. What if everybody leaves? <laughs> right? What, what if everybody is leaving the church and every Sunday I'm saying goodbye to people? What, what am I supposed to do here? Right? So suddenly, fear and anxiety hit me and I'm crying because of that. Right? Are you tracking me? There are, there are certain... What is so important? What is so important? Pandemic... Uh, Pandemic kind of exposed a lot of things, right? Pandemic exposed our need for control, right? If you have a little bit of control issue, right? A control idol, a little bit. Oh, it was a wonderful time. <laughs> the, idol, the idol loved the pandemic, right? We worshipped at the altar of control. Why? Because we were able to control everything. We were able to control what we eat, what we do, what we sleep, what games we play. Everything was under our control, right? And, and, and the idol, the, the idol we, we worshipped the idol. We worship that and everything is a If something is not under control, if your husband or your wife is not doing what you want them to do, if your kids are not doing, all oh, the idol will punish. It won't be kind. Are you tracking me? The fruit of the Spirit is the one that's making you kind and gentle and loving. No. The idol is gonna, it's gonna punish. Punish people if they don't bow to your idol. You're tracking me, right? How do we how do we know these idols, right? And he gives us a couple of examples here, right? He gives us a couple of examples because the idol has the power to destroy. It has the power to destroy you. It has the power to destroy communities. And he gives an example of sexual immorality and grumbling, right? Both destroys has the power to destroy communities, right? Sexual immorality, sexual immorality. I, idol is a desire that turns into demand, right? Sexual immorality doesn't just happen overnight. It is not just you wake up one day and you, it doesn't, it's a desire. It's a desire that's turning into a demand. It's a desire. It's, it's something that's, that's thawing in your heart. You're thinking about it. You're, you're thinking, you're dreaming, you're flirting with that idea, right? And slowly it becomes a demand. It could be a person, it could be pleasure, it could be a habit. And slowly, right, slowly it turns you to sin. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, and the reason why he is talking about that is it is a desire that turns into a demand. It causes sin and it can destroy marriages. It can destroy friendships. And here it is it's starting to destroy the community itself. 
And he's talking about grumbling. Grumbling is the same. It's a desire. When do you grumble? When, you, when your desire is not fulfilled. It's a desire that's not fulfilled. And there are a lot of desires that are not fulfilled, but there are certain desires when it's not fulfilled. We grumble. We grumble. Instead of going to the word of God and letting the word of God comfort us and assure us and give us hope, you know what we do? We turn to our words. We turn to our words to grumble. And both of, these, both of these grumbling and sexual immorality has a way to destroy not only the individual, not only relationships, the community, and it destroys, it destroys your relationship with God. And that's why it is destructive. It is powerful. It is important. That's why Paul is warning us. So how do we identify this? How do we identify this? Firstly, I'm going to give you three ways to identify Three ways to identify these desires. Firstly, watch for your preoccupied thoughts. Your preoccupied thoughts. What are you obsessing about? What are you daydreaming about? What are you thinking constantly over and over when you're driving, when you're sitting, when you're just, whatever, drinking coffee? What is that? What is that thought that keeps playing in your head again and again and again? Right? Ezekiel 14.3. It says, Son of man, God says, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Right? They've taken it to the hearts. It shows that it's, it's becoming a place of value. They are treasuring it. It's, it's value for them. The idols have become a value for them. They are placing it in front of their Faces, meaning they are worshipping it. It's a place of worship for them. So what are those things? What are those things that is capturing your attention? That is capturing your affection? That is capturing your obsession? What are those things? We all have those things. We all have those things. The question is, are you able to see that? So pay attention to your thoughts. Your thoughts reveal your idols. What you're obsessing about. A story of uh, Imelda Marcos. Imelda Marcos is a wife of a Philippines dictator. She was the first lady of Philippines at a certain point. Uh, but uh, very corrupt family dictators. They were just not, not, a, not a pleasant time in the Philippines. Uh, and she made a lot of money. And they raided her home. And they, when they raided her home, they found 3,000 pairs of shoes. She's surrounded by people who poor and who don't have anything and, and uh, it shocked she was known for she became known for that for her collection of shoes and when they were interviewing her this is what she says she says when I left Philippines people looked in my closets hoping to find skeletons but they only found shoes she was proud of her shoes in one of the articles she, she says how in her tombstone she says she wants, in her tombstone be written, here lies love. She wants that in her tombstone. But you know what, you know what really reveals her love? Her closet reveals what she truly loves, what she truly worships. Material things. My friends, materialism, when we think, when we obsess about material things, when we obsess about comfort, when we obsess about what we are wearing, what to drink, what to eat. When we, when we, when these are the thoughts that is 
that is capturing us and daydreaming about. Materialism is basically adorning ourselves, beautifying ourselves, romanticizing ourselves, being preoccupied with ourselves. We are basically worshipping ourselves. That's what it is. So my friends, our thoughts, our thoughts reveal, our thoughts reveal what our hidden idols are. So you want to know your idols? Look at your thoughts. What are those things you're not able to let go? Right? When you sit and think, what are those things? This person said something, maybe in your family, maybe at your workplace, they said something and it's just eating you. You're not able to let go. You're not able to let go. Maybe they did something, they hurt you. You are not able to get over it. You cannot let go of it. It could be, uh, it could be you want more of something, more of a person, more of a possessions or money or things or comfort. Or maybe you're, you're thinking about things that you don't have. Or you lack these things. Or you've lost these things. And it's, it is just always keeps coming up in your mind. In your thoughts. Or maybe there are dreams that you, you want to happen. There are, there are longings that you want to be fulfilled. There are prayers that you want to be answered. And... It is always there in your head. And my friend, because it's not happening, because you're not getting what you want, you, it turns you against people and makes you unloving. You either fight or flight, or it turns you even against God. Because you're not getting what you want. Right? Preoccupied thoughts. Secondly, secondly, overreaction. Overreaction. Do you guys react? Do you see overreaction in your life? Heightened emotion, right? Overreaction. Growing up. Anyway, don't get scared of me. I shared this in the previous story, and I don't know how people are processing this. <laughs> Hopefully, they come back next week. But growing up, uh, I did. I did. I mean, I, and I even through our marriage, right? And I did have a temper issue, right? I, uh, I struggled with anger and it was not, I didn't know where it was coming, what was fueling this, right? Overreaction. I remember when uh, growing up, my, me and my brother, we, we would go in the car, my mother would sit at the back. And I remember this vividly, right? There was a time when somebody cut me off on the road in Chennai. I turned around and I followed the guy. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna, this is not gonna happen. How dare you cut me? You know who I am? <laughs> I'm in college, right? I'm like, there's nobody here, but I'm like, do you know who I am? I'll come after you. My mom literally opened the door. She wanted to jump out. She said, Ranjit, this is not my son. If you drive like this, I'm gonna jump out of the car, right? So I had to fight with my mom. I had to fight with my brother. I'm chasing the guy. It was heights of depravity. What am I doing? This why why is this overreaction? Why is this overreaction? Don't just say, oh, I, I it's not a funny story. It's still something else in my heart that is making me react like this. And and the problem is if I keep if I keep saying, oh sorry, I got angry. If I just keep saying sorry for my behavior and I don't deal with my idol in my heart, I will not change at all. And that's why it kept pursuing, even into my marriage. Right? Even into my marriage. Why? Because I'm not dealing with my heart. So I want you to think about this. What are those things in your life that it is not just an irritation, but it is a rage? It, it creates a rage. 
what are those things in your life it is not just making you sad but it is making you feel devastated what what are those things in your life that doesn't make you just feel helpless but hopeless you feel like you don't have any hope what are those things what are those overreactions what are those things that is making you constantly irritable constantly impatient constantly on the edge or what are those things that is making you withdraw and be aloof and be too quiet out of the ordinary what are those things my friend these overreactions point to your heart idol you've got to pay attention third one preoccupied thoughts overreaction thirdly thirdly where do you go for immediate comfort okay where do you go for immediate comfort what do you do think about this right when when you when things are not happening the way you want to happen at your workplace right you want certain things to happen it didn't happen i want you to think about what do you do next where do you go for comfort somebody said something to you somebody insulted you somebody made a joke or whatever that is things are not happening right whatever that is you want something it's not happening you're not you want something you're not you're not getting where do you go to comfort yourself you know you know what we do right you know what we do you know what all we do we we watch entertainment right and it says in uh, verse 7 do not be idolaters some sat down eat and drink and rose up to play entertainment to feel numb right to numb the pain to kind of think about it a little less right is a diversions and distractions i want you to think about where do you go so, some when things are not happening and they, they sometimes sleep a lot right they don't want to get out of bed some some binge watch just kind of binge watch some maybe drink a lot to forget certain things some get into habit quickly you want to fix something so you want to get into a habit the ha- way you go for comfort reveals your idol because the idol in some way is calling you and saying i will i will soothe you i will comfort you come run into my arms i will take care of you oh but it is a false savior it is a false savior it is going to enslave you it is going to punish you later right so i want you to understand where do you go for comfort where do you go for comfort i remember in, uh, in when i uh, and i went through some anxiety during uh, during the pandemic in 2020 and i i kind of i've known but i i didn't know this right i didn't really actually place it like that when things were not going well people i mean we zoom and it was just chaotic right 2020 was chaotic you remember 2020 <laughs> it was chaotic right when was that 2020 things were not going well i was not in a good space right uh, but 2020 i remember we we planted new city in fall 2020 is when i did some key series from scripture 2020 i began to understand when i deal with anxiety when i deal with pressure in my work uh, and things are not happening the way i want things to happen i work a lot i work to gain a sense of control i work immediately what i'll do is i'll open my laptop i'll open an excel i'll i'll write everybody's name i'll put everybody in a box i will like <laughs> i will open a flow chart i will open this i will look at my finances i will organize the budget i'm you, you know why right you know, it's not because i'm so organized no because there's something missing in my life and i'm working to comfort myself 
I'm getting a sense of control. So my friends, it's not just bad things. It's not just having a drink or having a smoke. It's not those things. It could be good things in your life that you're comforting yourself with. What are those things? Because Jonah, Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Oh, the grace of God that is available for us. When we cling to these idols, we forfeit the grace of God. And the sad thing is these things help. When you binge watch, when you have a drink, when you work like this or when you do stuff like it actually helps. It actually makes you feel better in the short term. There's a movie called Stuart, Stuart Saves His Family, right? And uh, it's an old movie and uh, it talks about how Stuart is like the self-help. He's trying to help people uh, and uh, he has uh, a manipulative boss and he has an alcoholic father. His sister is uh, having marital problems. His mother is depressed. And his brother's in drugs and all kinds of stuff, right? Family is falling apart. But he always is this go-to person to help, right? And so in one of the conversations, uh, his sister is having a crisis. She's having a meltdown on the phone and she calls him. He's not able to help her, so he doesn't know what to tell her. So he tells her, uh, this is what he says, right? He says, I won't ordinarily do this, but is there a way you can get to a pound cake? <laughs> right? It's funny, right? He's telling her, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but can you, hey, if you want to feel better, just go, can you find some cake and eat it? You'll feel better. It's funny. It's funny and sad because that's what we do. That's what we do. We are looking for this cake to just binge on it so that we will feel better. Whereas the grace of God is there to console us and we forfeit his grace by having these worthless idols in our lives. Are you able to identify your idols? Right? Preoccupied thoughts, overreaction. Where do you go for comfort? These reveal your heart idols. How do you dismantle them? Very quickly. How do you dismantle them? Now that I see this, right? How do I dismantle this? How do I dismantle this? And the reason I'm, and this is important, my friends, and, and the more I understood my own heart idolatry, I, I slowly began to see change in my life. I remember, and I shared this in the previously also, I think, uh, I like things to be in order. Okay, is that a bad desire? That's a good desire. I like things to be in order. Who doesn't want things to be in order? Not my family. <laughs> Just stop joking. My wife is here. <laughs> no lunch for me. I like things to be in order, right? And when we planted this church, I was telling them how when we planted this, right? uh, and uh, we we said we'll have a break in between. And and uh, I know the value of the break, and I know value of community and all that stuff. But it used to throw me off. It used to throw me off because the chairs are all moving, right? <laughs> I see the cups, I see chairs. So in the initially when we moved here, I would be going and arranging the chairs again, right? After the break, I'll be pulling all the chairs and making sure it's all aligned and stuff like that, right? People thought I'm such a wonderful servant, right? Pastor, pastor is such a humble servant of God. No, I'm worshipping my idol, right? And I remember when uh, when we got married, we used to have the same fights again and again, right? It was not, was not pleasant, it was actually getting difficult, for Deepa, my wife. Uh, because when I come home, uh, and I, the first thing my eyes will see is things that are not in order. Right? <laughs> first things my, I don't want my eyes. Legos everywhere, shoes. I feel like, oh, why do we have so many shoes in the house? Why everything, the cushions are out of place. And immediately, I'll, I, it'll, it used to kind of trigger me a little bit. Right? And I'll start, I'll start, first thing I'll do, come into the house and I'll start arranging the house. 
right? I, it's not a pleasant thing. Deepa is not happy. That's like not a fun thing. She knows I'm upset about something, right? I'm arranging all these things. So Deepa, Deepa later on in marriage, she would tell me, you need to tell me 10 minutes in advance if you're coming. <laughs> Don't just show up in the house. You tell me. Tell me 10 minutes around the corner, then, then you come. So I'll call her and I'll say, I'm 10 minutes away. Imagine my house in those 10 minutes. Right? I want you to imagine this. I mean, Deepa's like, come on, get every Lego. They're all cleaning. Daddy is coming. My kids are like, Daddy is coming. Daddy is coming. <laughs> it's like a monster coming home, right? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? You're worshipping my idol. We're all worshipping my idol. My idol of control and my idol of comfort and my idol of order. And I'm lashing out on my kids and I'm lashing out on my wife. So I would say sorry to her. I've told a million sorries. Right? <laughs> there was a time when like, you keep saying sorry. What sorry? Uh, pack of sorries. Pack of potato or whatever, whatever that. <laughs> but then I, I understood the reason why I'm not changing is because I'm simply saying sorry for my behavior, but I'm not dealing with my idol in my heart. So how do, you, how do you dismantle this idol? How can the idol lose power in your life? How, how can you not just manage your behavior, but really, truly be experience change of heart? Right? How, how? Idol is a, it's a, it's a deep desire. It's a deep desire that's turning into a demand. It can only be dismantled by the desire for a greater affection. My friend, I've learned this in the hard way, but it is a beautiful way. You want to overcome a habit? You want to overcome certain sins, you know, it is not, yes, you can take steps and all that stuff, that's wonderful. But the way for your heart to change is when your heart is captured by a greater beauty. When your heart is adoring a greater treasure. When your heart is in love with a greater person, my friend, suddenly the idol loses its power. That is the only way you're going to dismantle your idol. It needs the expulsive power of the gospel in your life. So how do you do this? Firstly, how do you do this? You identify your idol. Don't, don't, don't take it lightly. Identify. Pay attention to your idol. Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to your reaction. Pay attention to what you go for comfort. Identify and repent of your heart idol, not just your behavior. Not just saying, I'm angry, I'm, I said this, I lied. No, no. Why? Why? What is me? And when you repent, you think about it and you repent of your heart idol. This is who I am. So when I repent, when I repent, when I say sorry to Deepa, I, I completely understand. It is not just the order. It is not the family that's making me angry. It is not my kids who are making. No, what is making me angry? It is my desire for this idol that's making me angry. That's making me frustrated. So I repent of it. I grieve. You you don't just you, you don't just take it lightly. You lament over it. You don't just excuse it. You eradicate it. You don't just gloss over it. You grieve over this. Oh, tell God, God, how, how can I who say I love you, but I'm worshipping something else? Lord, how is it possible that this thing, this person, this thing, this dream, this longing, whatever that is, this desire, how can this have so much power over me? Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. You identify and you mourn and grieve and repent before God. And my friend, secondly, right? Secondly, you begin to be vulnerable in community. 
idols gain power in isolation but when you share bring it to the light and when you talk about your struggles this way not just your behavior but when you talk about what are those deep fears what are those deep longings what are those things that's making you behave in unloving and sinful ways when you reveal those idols in the light of community people come alongside right hopefully people are not coming and telling me ranjit don't get angry you know you shouldn't get angry don't get angry right? that's like what you don't get angry i know i shouldn't get angry hopefully you are people who are coming along and saying ranjit why are you angry what what is making you so angry why is this so important for you so when i open my heart and i'm vulnerable with my idols there are people who can come alongside me and help me understand my own idols help me process it so be vulnerable in community lastly you repent you be vulnerable lastly oh lastly you seek christ you seek christ with all your heart psalm 27:4 says one thing i ask from the lord my friend one thing what is that one thing what is that one thing in your life what is that one dream what is that one prayer what is that one longing that that is making you so frustrated that is making you so angry that is making you so mad even against god what is that one thing can you like the psalmist say lord one thing one thing i ask from the lord and this is all i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord that i may gaze into the beauty of the lord all the days of my life my friend when you set christ before you his life and his death and his resurrection what he has accomplished for you when you set his beauty what he went through to make you his own what he did to forgive you when this is what is controlling in your heart when this is what is your waking affection and your obsession this is what you long for deeply in your heart my friend anything else has the right order in your life you will have desire for other things but it will have the right place in your life it is not disordered let christ calm your fears let christ mend your broken hearts let christ ease your burdens let his spirit assure you and forgive you let his presence calm your restless heart let his beauty capture your deepest longings verse 13 says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man god is faithful god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be built and endure it my friend jesus is your way of escape he is the one who is faithful on your behalf he is the one who can help you endure it as you read his word as you slow down and as you commune with him in prayer as you are vulnerable in community as you repent and grieve deeply as you rejoice in christ and and seek his identity in your life my friend slowly but surely slowly but surely the idol loses its grip in your life let's pray